Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to week three of Summer at Lex City, Names of God. My name is Josh, and like Dave said, I'm the creative and worship arts director here, and I just love getting to be a part of this church. Um, if you're new here today, uh, we're so excited you decided to join us. We would love uh, for you to consider Lex City being your home church. Uh, my wife and I just feel like it's just a really special place. It's amazing to see what God's doing in this season, what he's done in the past. Um, even th- we just got done through a 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it's just amazing to see what God's gonna do in this next season in our church. So if you're new here, welcome. Really, really glad you're here with us today. Uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife's name is Emily, and we have a farm in Nicholasville, uh, just down the street, and we grow Christmas trees, and we have some animals. And uh, we love just creating a space for people um, to enjoy being together. Um, we've been married for three years now. Three years? Almost three years. Three years in August. Is that correct? I'm already messing it up, and we're all <laughs> three years. <laughs> um, and the way, the thing is, is I'm amazed that my wife still puts up with me and still loves me after three years. Uh, because in the way I know that she loves me is because she puts up with my really stupid jokes that you guys will get to enjoy for the next half hour this morning. I like to use a lot of callbacks where I repeat the same jokes over and over again, and while most people probably just roll their eyes at me, or I'm sure a lot of my, my creative team does when I repeat jokes, my wife, I know my wife loves me because she continues uh, to laugh. So for instance, I love all Asian food. How many of you, you love sushi? Anyone love sushi in here? Anyone love um, like, like Thai food? Anyone a big Thai food fan? Okay. What about um, like just Chinese food, like regular takeout Chinese, American Chinese? Oh yeah, that's so good, right? Uh, we eat that like every day at some point. Um, I'm at Sarku at the mall like all the time. Shout out to my friend Amy. What up, Amy? At Sarku, right over there. Make some of them crab wontons for me. It'll be fantastic. So, I love Asian food, and every time we get the fortune cookies for the past six years or so of of that I've known Emily, I've always opened it up and I turn it over and I go, "Oh, mine's blank." And she laughs. Every single time, and replies, babe, turn it over, where it clearly is printed on the backside. Even when she's not there, I send pictures like this, where it's just like the blank, the backside of a fortune cookie. I know it's not funny. I understand that it's not funny, but I think it's funny, and it makes her laugh, which is how I know one of the ways she, one of the ways that I know that she loves me. I use a lot of callbacks when we go uh, on vacation to Disney. Um, how many of you love Disney? Any Disney Plus fans, Disney World fans, Disney fans out there? Well, um, I didn't go to Disney World until I was 26, and as like a creative, I fell in love with um, all the details, all the, all the ways that, all the art that's there, all the things that people put thought into, into storylines, and I just think it's, it's great, and I love, I enjoy it, and, and to be honest, um, we actually bought season passes this year. We have annual passes to Disney World, which is in Florida, not in Kentucky where we live. Um, but luckily, we've learned how to like hack the system. We get like those $50 Allegiant flights down. We go for like a day. We hotwire a $20 hotel. It's fantastic. And like if you get an annual pass at Disney, if you go six days, it's the same price as like an annual pass. So we go all the time. We absolutely love it. Um, it's, it was actually one time we went to Gatlinburg and it was cheaper for us to go to Disney than it was to Gatlinburg. I don't know how that's possible, but that's just the vacation of choice that we've loved. Um, not only is the most magical place on earth, but it's actually one of the most miraculous. And that's my segue into this cheesy joke. See, every uh, time you leave the park uh, at, at night, you see this, these wheelchairs that are out there. And I exclaim to Emily every time I see these, like, look, it's a miracle. Someone walked. 
no Disney miracle. Now, most people would just roll their eyes the fourth or fifth or sixth time I say that on the same trip, probably on the same day. But she laughs every single time, and that's one of the ways I know that she loves me. Today, friends, we're gonna be taking a look at the very first name of God. As Dave and Jeff taught the past couple weeks, throughout the Bible, we see when God or people or places are named, those names reveal the character and the relationship to one another. God's names, God's names are important to him. That's why one of the Ten Commandments is to not take the Lord's name in vain. And when he's talking about vain in this, in this moment, it's, it's really not just meaning just swearing in his name, but vain bringing emptiness or worthlessness to his name. See, when, I love learning things about this, about the Bible, because for, for me, the knowledge of God is the most important knowledge that we can ever gain. I don't know if, if, if you feel this way, but I have a lot of like useless information in my brain that just doesn't matter. In my day-to-day -day life, my family, my work life, or even hobbies, I'm not sure if you have these in yours, I feel like I have this random, useless information. For me, one of those things is I know way too much about the assassination of Franz Ferdinand that led to World War I. I don't know why. It's like a three-hour story, I would love to tell you, and it affects all of modern history, and I love telling that three-hour story. It's random facts. Um, my, actually, my staff team, when we take like long car rides to go to an event or like do worship somewhere, uh, I'll tell this story in the car and it puts all of them to sleep. It's fantastic, I've done it multiple times. Um, so parents, if you like to put your kids to sleep, learn about the history of World War I. Um, I know a lot, way too much about Star Wars episodes one through three because I owned all the Scholastic Book Fairs. How many of you loved the Scholastic Book Fair as a kid or maybe your kids go to Scholastic Book Fair? I, I had all of these dictionary books um, that were about episodes one through three, and it told you all about the different characters and all the things that they, they were. Yeah, that, that book there, that's, that's exactly what I had, and I read all of those, and so I know way too much about episodes one through three, and honestly, I think they're the best part. I know a lot of you would disagree with that, but it's the best part of the series, episodes one through three. It's what I grew up on. The worst uh, of the useless information I have is probably quotes from The Office, and I don't mean that's what she said jokes because that's like 101 in the office canon. Everyone knows it. But I mean like when I see a cat, I think in my brain, my brain instantly goes to, you can't eat cats, Kevin. You can't eat cats. Or like when I go into an office complex and I stand at the entrance and I see where all the different, all the different offices that are in that office complex, I go like, Sherman, Blinds and Rugs, Sweet 202. Or I'll walk into a, a, an office meeting and I'll go just go, shaka and see, like two of you understand these references because they're very deep references in the office canon, but that's exactly what my brain goes to when random things happen to me. I see, I didn't get a smartphone until college, so I grew up right on that weird edge between here's all the things that you need to know and you need to memorize these things, you need to understand how to do all these things because you won't always be able to have a library or a computer with you to the so in college, we kind of switched to the new reality of, well, actually, everything you've ever wanted to know is will always be in your pocket and you can have it in seconds. Access to all information, I, I will say, is way better. Like, I'm, I'm never gonna have to do long division again. I don't, how many of you hated long division? Is it just me? Okay, great, I know, thank you. I'm glad some of you hate long division too. I'm sure you math teachers will send me an email about that one. Um, but when, when we have access to all information, at the, at the tip of our fingers, what it has shown me is actually what's written on my heart. Because what I know in my heart is different than what I can find in a moment. The late Billy Graham, who was a profound, a profound evangelist that led millions to Jesus over the past century, he lived a very long and what most would say a very fulfilling life. 
And I felt, found it very interesting, one of the last papers he published was about his regrets in life. And his regrets included not spending more time with his family, but even for a man who spent most of the time in the Word and in the Bible, one of his biggest regrets was not spending more time learning about God and praying to God and enjoying scriptures. See, the knowledge of God is the most important knowledge we can ever gain. So for a nerd like me, it's hard to understand. It's something that I've been striving for of going like, this knowledge is the most important in my life. Because when I see what's written on my heart, when, I have, when, when there's trials, when things come up in my life, when there's issues in my life, I don't always turn to scripture. I don't always turn to, uh, to prayer. You know, maybe movie quotes or ideas come to, my, come to my brain, come to my heart. And I'm slowly over time, as I've learned that knowledge of God is the most important, saying, okay, God, how can I see scripture in this moment? How can I see what you're doing in this moment? How can I see how to pray in this moment? Because that's what I want written on my heart. So friends, we're better together. So together today, we're gonna talk and learn more about knowledge of God, and we're gonna talk about this name of God. We're actually gonna talk about the very first name of God, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, starting with Genesis 1.1. So when it says, in the beginning, God, that God, that Hebrew word for God, is the name Elohim, God the creator. And the word Elohim, it has, has multiple meanings. It means something like when we say a musician, when we name a musician, a musician plays music, right? A teacher teaches, a lawyer practices law. So when we name God Elohim, God the creator, what does Elohim mean? We're gonna dive into that in just a moment. Elohim is the second most common name for God behind Yahweh, used over 2,500 times in the Old Testament, and 35 times just in the creation story alone in Genesis 1 and 2. Elohim means the God who creates, the God of all creation. He isn't just, it doesn't mean that he is a creator, he is the creator. In fact, he has made everything out of nothing. God shows himself by this name Elohim. It's his first revelation of his name in, in Genesis and it reveals his characteristics. And here's what the characteristics of Elohim means. Elohim is the one who brought the universe into existence out of nothing. No matter how far back you go into the Big Bang Theory or the idea of, of the creation of the universe, something had to create it all. Elohim planned and designed the universe and he determined where the stars would be, where the sun and the moon would exist in the universe, and where the speck of dust called Earth would land in one of the arms of the Milky Way galaxy. Elohim brought order out of chaos, light out of darkness, and brought life into a lump of clay. Elohim created the birds and the fish and, and the animals and the trees and the grass and everything we see around us was created by him. Elohim established basic laws of the universe which do not change like gravity and, and study of physics. Everything we study in physics, he created all those laws. And it's through his power that everything not only exists but continues to work as it should. Elohim is eternal beyond our understanding of time which he created time. He has no beginning or end. Elohim created the angels, including Lucifer who fell because of his pride. So there is nothing visible or invisible in this universe that Elohim did not make. He made everything. Now I know I can say these statements and a lot of you would, would agree with those. But for me, truly understanding and believing that Elohim really created the universe was an important, crucial part of my faith journey. 
It was revolutionary in my faith. So I always went to public school and I was somewhat of a nerd and I always wanted, I always went to a big non-denominational church where we focused on what it meant to have a real and active relationship with Jesus and, and really a relationship over religion. When I was in high school, I got more into the apologetics or just being able to defend my faith. And I remembered I visited the Creation Museum in Northern Kentucky. I started questioning this idea of Elohim, like was God really the creator? How did this happen? What was what I, was I taught? Was what I was studying and taught in school true versus what the Bible said? How did it relate to one another? The science and evidence I knew didn't correlate all the time, so I dove deeper, I read more books, I started attending seminars and watching seminars to gain knowledge and the evidence I needed to prove God to someone. Probably more importantly, I was trying to prove God to myself. And through that, I learned that evidence is never decisive. Just because you give someone a piece of evidence doesn't mean they're gonna interpret it the same way that you see it. That evidence alone would never convince or convict someone to follow God. When you look at the New Testament, there were people there the night that Jesus was betrayed. There were people there that saw Jesus get whipped, see him get stabbed, they saw him get put on a cross, they saw him die, they saw him be put in a tomb, and they saw an empty tomb. And when Jesus came back and walked this earth, where hundreds of people saw him, in Matthew 28, I believe verse 17, it talks about that there were some people who still doubted. Can you imagine seeing all of that happen and still going, no, I, I don't believe this. I don't believe that this is God. Evidence alone would never convince or convict anyone to follow God. So I started looking for evidence and con continued to look for evidence to prove the Bible was true. And I was taking what I could observe and testing it against the Bible. And I was doing the same testing in my personal faith. I was doing what I wanted to do, going along with my plan, and then asking God what he thinks about this. I metaphorically put God on a leash and kind of walked him around and said, here, I'm gonna do my plans, I'm gonna do my thing, I'm gonna do what I see, what I see is right, and then, God, is this okay with you? That's how I was living my faith journey. Sure, I would say that I believed in Jesus and God. I agreed, that God, I agreed that God could have created the universe and I agreed that his plans were better than mine like my pastors and youth pastors would say. I agreed that Jesus was the savior of the world because it was convenient and it made the most sense to me. But I don't know how much I actually believed in here. I don't know how much was actually written on my heart that I believed it. Because agreeing is circumstantial. Believing is foundational. I'm gonna say that again, agreeing is circumstantial, but believing is foundational. A faith based on agreement can become disagreement and disbelief quickly. Faith based on agreement is soft sand because when pain comes, when trials come, when someone raises a question that you don't have an answer to, when their theological differences arise, faith can fade fast when it's based on agreement. Now, agreement isn't a bad thing. We, we can agree on political ideologies. We can agree to stand against social injustices. We can agree with science. We can agree with change. But we can believe, and we need to believe, in Elohim and a God that created the universe. That belief must be written on our heart, not just something we agree with. Because agreeing is circumstantial. It can change. 
but what you believe and when we believe, that is foundational to how we see the world. Remember this when you're looking at any debates on creation or someone asks you questions about creation or tries um, to ask you um, and wants to debate you on it. The Bible doesn't really give us every detail of how God created the universe. But often in the debate of the details, we become distracted by the truth that he did. That the same God who spoke the entire universe into existence also has a plan for you and loves you and created you and everything and everyone you've ever known and loved, he created. I know you can agree with me on that, but do you believe that? Do you believe that our God is that great, that our God is that big? And is that belief written on your heart today? Let's look more at God's name, Elohim. El is an ancient term for supreme authority. In the Hebrew, God used the term the same way, uh, not only to reference himself, but anytime circumstances of authority were needed. So in Exodus chapter seven, um, the Lord's talking to Moses. He says, pay close attention to this and it will make you seem like God to Pharaoh. When in the Hebrew, when he uses that term God, he's using a derivative of El, that, when, that God is declaring that Moses was superior to Pharaoh after the 10 uh, ten plagues saying that Moses was more powerful than the most powerful king on earth. The name Elohim declares that there is nothing above God. Exodus 15 says this, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? See, everything God created worships the creator. Let's look at this passage in Psalms 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. In Isaiah, it says, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. When I look at a picture like this, it reminds me of our farm at night. It's nice living out in, in the country where you can kind of see the stars. Side note, there's a, a worship and wonder on July 19th. It's a Tuesday night. We're gonna have all of you are invited. The whole church is invited to come out to the farm. We're gonna spend a night of worship. You all can look at the stars too. But when I look at the stars out at the farm, and I see the different galaxies and the different planets, there's a part of my life when I would probably look at that and say, okay, how did that get there? What is that? Can someone explain this to me? But now when I look at it, I have a sense of awe and worship and wonder that our God is really, really big to create all of that. Because I know and I believe that the same God who created all of that that I can see, he created me and he created you and he has a plan for you and he loves you. And that's mind blowing every time I look up at the sky. Elohim is a personal God. In Genesis one, we're told that God created us in his own image, male and female, he created us. For years I thought this, that like maybe the father God looked like a human dad, like had a dad bod with like khakis and like a polo and that's kind of my idea of like maybe what God looked like. But when I really looked into it farther, 
when we really when we look into scripture, God the Father is not often physically described. In John 4, God the Father is described as a spirit. And in Colossians and 1 Timothy, we read that God is an invisible God. And even in 1 Kings, it says God cannot be contained in the heavens and the earth. So maybe a physical body isn't what I should think of when I read that passage. When we're created in the image of God, more than physical, we are made in the personhood of God. We reason and we are intelligent like God. We have feelings and emotions like God. We have, we, we have choices and are held responsible for our choices. Elohim, God the creator, is personal. He's not a blob out there in space or some mysterious force or a sensed energy. God has personhood. God reasons and feels and acts according to those feelings and those thoughts. When I think about that we're made in the image of God, I also think about that we can create. And we're not able really to create something out of nothing like he did, but we can use what he created to create other things. That's one of the things I love about our staff team and our worship arts team. We get to create a lot of videos, we get to create projects. You know, Brian Cook creates amazing sets when we do Christmas and other events like that. Like we get to have a team of creatives create things. And I love creating with our team together. As a matter of fact, we just released this week an album called Life. It's a four-song EP that we got to write together. And what I love about writing our own music and worshiping to our own, music, our own songs that we get to write, um, actually the first song we sang today, Wilderness, that's on the new EP. Uh, we get to tell our story. <clears throat> Not just like my story or some of our team stories, like our story as a church, like what God is doing in Omer, what God is doing in our church. The stories of redemption, the stories of healing, the story of seeing God walk us out of the wilderness and out of our Egypt. So we love to continue to write. We'll continue to write songs. Um, we hope that you enjoy that. We'd love for you to check it out on Spotify, Apple Music, all those kind of things. You can check it out. We'd love for that to be a gift to you and just get to um, worship together with those songs. So go ahead and check that out this week if you can. Elohim needs nothing outside of himself because he controls and created it all. In essence, he owns it and us. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, like God owns everything because he created it, right? He gave us the minerals and resources on earth to build things, and he gave us muscles and intelligence to think and work and to provide an income to live and build a family. And that's part of the reason why Emily and I love to give away what we have, that we love to tithe to our church, that we love to give to missions, that we love to uh, give away our space and our time to people, because we know that it's not ours. We know that a lot of people um, work a lot harder and are blessed a lot less than we are, and we are so grateful to be able to give back. Even Pastor Brian last week talked about how together as a church this summer, we're coming together to take care of some things in our house. And so, church, it's really important in this season. Um, and we're really grateful uh, for your giving and the way that we come together and we tithe together uh, to be able to take care of our, our, our home, our, our church home here, and to be able to continue to do the ministries into the fall season. Elohim has created a plan and a purpose that only he knows. In Acts 15, Paul writes about that God, when God was to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, he said these things are known from long ago, from the beginning of time. Not only does he have the plans, but the plans include us. That in his plan, we have been chosen, it says in Ephesians chapter one, and that God, Elohim, remains in control, but he chose us. In Psalm 135, it says, the Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth and in the seas and all their depths. We find all of these, these topics and ideas in the name Elohim, that first description 
of God in Genesis. So the tough part when talking about the creation story or just creation in general and believing that God created everything was we have to ask the question, did God, did Elohim create the bad things? Many people in my life, including myself, have often questioned this good God. What does the goodness of God really look like? When we see sickness, when we see shootings, when we see death, when we see pain, when we see war, it's easy for us to ask, why God? Even this week, um, one of my close uncles, uh, he was diagnosed with melanoma last summer, and he was told he only had four weeks to live, and he just passed away this past week, so it's been amazing that he's, he's made it this long, and he fought a really good fight. But it was really hard to say to my cousins and my family and, and the people in my life, including my parents, when I know they're asking, why God? Why did this happen? At Genesis 1, in the revelation of God's creation, it says it was good, meaning that his creation was pleasant and beneficial and that everything God does is good. It is good and is just throughout creation and for all eternity. So if God is only good, how can God let bad things happen? See, God is not the author of sin. He's not the author of pain. He's not the author of sickness. God gave his highest creations us, free will. Free will would not be true freedom if it was decided for us. Also one of his highest creations, angels also have free will. And humans and angels, we make moral choices. And when God created light, in creating light and creating good, you create the absence of light, the absence of good. And what filled that void was evil. Because humans and angels have free will and we can make moral choices, we had our own choices. We chose to rebel. Lucifer chose to rebel. Adam and Eve chose to rebel. And you and I, we choose to rebel in our sinful human nature against the good that God has created. In our choice to sin, it is just for us to suffer in our choices. It is not just for us to judge a good God because we are justly served because the worst that we have is better than what we deserve. And as society perverts morality, and we start to believe the lie that we are good, but we are not. We must be careful not to think that we have God figured out, especially theologians and us pastors. If creation was made good and to glorify God, then at the end of the day, creation is not about me, and it's not about you. It's about the creator the good and the bad. See, in perfection, when God created the earth, it was perfect. In that moment of perfection, all of creation glorified God. And when we, in our free will, stepped away from the light, stepped away from good and chose sin, all of creation dishonored God. And in the redemption that's come about through years of faith, from Abraham, from David, through the birth of Jesus, through the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of God's son. And that redemption through Jesus Christ, this glorifies God more than even creation glorified him in perfection. Because see, we've proven in our free will, in our choice, that God is greater. And that is God's desire. 
He's created a world of animals that bow to his choices and his words, and he's created laws of the universe and perfect design. But what is greatest to the creator is that he gave us, his children, free will to choose. And even when we chose sin, we turned around and said, no, God is greater. That God is better. That we want to choose him. And that's all that God desires, that Elohim desires. He desires for us to surrender ourselves back to him. In the Bible, we read a story about a man named Job. If you haven't got the opportunity to read it, he's, he has some awful circumstances in his life. He loses everything, he has some physical issues, but he was right with God. And this made Job question God's motives and justice. And God responded to Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? And Job realized that God was a very big God. and His plans were better. He repented of his rebellion. And he said, and I know you can do anything. And no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before. But now that I've seen you with my own eyes, I take back everything I've said. And I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. See, Job saw through his circumstance that it was our place to follow, to stop arguing, to stop judging God, to stop pretending like we understand God, to stop resisting God, and to surrender our free will that he's given us back over to him. Did you know that God is jealous for your worship? Like when we gather here on Sundays and, and we worship together, it's not about us hearing the songs we like to hear or receiving a blessing or a healing or a word, and those are all great things, but rather to worship him, to put him on the throne. Because the thing is in your life, God will not share a place with other gods in our lives, including ourselves. Maybe you've, you've put God on, on a shelf of good things in your life. You've named the good things in your life, your family, your friends, and you've put faith on that same shelf. You put God on that same shelf. And you just pull them down whenever you need him. That's not a true surrender of your life. Or maybe you've been like me and, and you've said, okay, here are all the things I'm going to do. Here's the way I see I wanna move in the world. And, and you're kind of just pulling God along with you. Saying, God, this is okay, right? Like, this is fine. This is what you want, I guess, right? Because it's what I want, so it's probably what you want, right? You've been following your own plans. And you look over and you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. You're not here by chance. You're not a random group of cells and dust. You're designed by a purposeful creator. You have value. I know someone needs to hear that today, that you have value. Maybe you don't see the value of your life. But God has a much better and greater plan for you have value. And I don't just mean that in, in a positive self-esteem, positive, positive image, body way, 
but the fact that you have value because the God of the universe created you. Elohim made everything from nothing. He can meet every need that you face in your life. He can show you your value. Maybe your picture of God has been too small. Maybe you're here today and you're questioning God, trying to find the evidence, debating with him the way that Job did. Maybe you're here with doubts and anxiety about life and why bad things have happened. Maybe you've had a loss in your family. Maybe you've had a tough relationship. Maybe you have this tough addiction in your life. desires to know you. He desires to meet your needs. He desires to comfort you in that pain that you have and to be your God. And today, if you want that, all that starts with the relationship with Jesus. See, that sin we talked about that we've chosen is left in a gap between us and the creator. It's not how God planned for it to be. He made it perfect. He made this world perfect. And in our free will, we chose to sin. 2,000 years ago, he sent his son to die on a cross to bridge that gap between us and the creator, us and the father. He says by saying yes to him, believing that Jesus is God, repenting of our sins and saying yes to him, we can be set free. We can be linked back to the father. See, having a relationship with Jesus isn't about living a perfect life. I I started my relationship with Jesus almost 20 years ago, and the Lord knows I've made my fair share of mistakes. Following Jesus is about looking to Jesus as an example and accepting the grace that he died to give you. He's my greatest friend. And I want you to have the opportunity to start that friendship with Jesus today to believe, to say yes, to cross that line and say, yes, I believe in Elohim. I believe that God did what he said he did. And I want to follow Jesus. And I want to someday be back with the Father. Today, if you want that relationship or to even restart restart a relationship with Jesus, we're just gonna say a simple prayer. I'm just gonna say it in your heart. like today, there's some people here who have been seeing God as a pretty small God in your life. Put him up on that shelf. He hasn't been God of your whole life. You've agreed with a lot of things that have been said by your family or by your church. You've agreed with a lot of them. There are areas in your life that you need to surrender today. Say, okay, God, you're a big God. Friends, if you would bow your heads with every eye closed, let's just say this prayer in our hearts. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Beyond what I've known of any religion or ritual, I want my real, I want a real friendship with you. I admit that I'm not perfect and I've fallen short through my sin. 
And I believe today that you are the one true God. And by your grace, I have been set free from my past, my sin, and my shame. Today, And today I want to follow you. God, I'm sorry for not surrendering my whole life to you. Would you reveal in me the ways that I need to surrender to you? Because I want to truly believe, and I truly believe, that you have great plans for my life. With every eye closed, I just want to know if I can pray with you this week. If you, if you prayed that prayer, would you just boldly raise your hand? All the eyes are closed. If you'd raise your hand today, I would love to know that you prayed that. Yes, yes, thank you, I see you. pray with you throughout this week. Let's continue to pray together, friends. God, we know you're a big God. Would you reveal to us the ways that we can continue to follow you and, to, and continue to put you first in our life. We love you. And we're grateful for our relationship with your son, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, can we celebrate with those who prayed that prayer today to take a step of faith? Amen. Amen. Maybe you said that prayer today and, and uh, we have a resource for you. Our team put together this incredible book called The Decision and it has a lot of answers to questions that you may have today. Maybe today you're like what I said earlier and you're going, hey, I want more knowledge about God. I wanna take a step of faith today and maybe you gave your life to Christ today or maybe you've recently started a relationship with Jesus or renewed your relationship with Jesus would love to give this book to you today. Out in the Welcome Center, we have these decision books, and it actually has the book of John in it. Maybe you haven't had the opportunity to read much of the Bible, but that's a great book to start with, and we would love to just give that to you today so that you can start learning about God, growing in your faith, and growing closer to Jesus today. So if you would, after service, stop by the Welcome Center. I would love to meet you, and uh, we would love to give you a, that decision book out there today. Friends, we're gonna close with a song that we sung for a few years, and it's about the God of creation. It's about everything we've talked about this morning. Elohim. A line that always gets me in the song. It says, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. Friends, that's the life I want to live. A life truly believing in Jesus. Believing that God, that, 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 and a big God who created the universe. That he's personal enough to hear my prayers a big God that can heal a country, but personal enough to heal my shoulder. And the God who gave his life to love me and gave his life to love every single one of us that he put in this crazy world that he created. So friends, would you stand? We're gonna pray together as we close out today before we sing this song this morning. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your presence in our lives. We know you're a big God. I just pray that you reveal yourself to us in new ways today. You speak to us as we go about our week. God, that we can see others the way that you see them. That we can love people the way you love them. That when we see things in our lives and we see the stars at night, when we see things you've created and the things and the people in our lives, Lord, that we can worship, that we can be grateful, that we can surrender, that we can say, God, you are the creator of all. You are Elohim. We thank you for creating us. 
Thank you for creating our lives and our families. We know that your plan is better. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen, friends. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church slash give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.